You're listening to the Della Darling Podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Dara. We're taking Dara's love of telling people's stories, Emily's love of attending events, and our mutual love of the first date, and highlighting the best people to meet, places to go, and things to do that Delaware has to offer. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to welcome you back to the Della Darling podcast for returning listeners and for new listeners. We're so glad to have you. I am in the studio with the interns and Dara, and we have an exciting episode planned. I don't know why it feels like so long since we've been together. It it, it does feel like a long time, but I think it really has only been about two weeks. I think it's probably because um, we had such a great time on the last episode with Missy and Jeremy Hall, and we kind of just jumped into things. So we didn't really, the two of us didn't catch up. We didn't catch up. And you know, it's so funny because um, a, a lot of listeners think that we just kind of repeat conversations we've already had. And every once in a while, that's true. But most of the time, you guys are hearing them the first time we're saying <laughs> them. Um, and so sometimes we we put together our list of things we've been up to, and I see things Dara's been up to, and I think, oh, you know, I really should try that. And so I hope you guys get the same kind of ideas from our recently done and upcoming lists. Yeah, well, I think um, last episode you had put in the notes that you had just been to Roots mm-hmm. on Main Street in Newark, uh, one of the... Um, notorious bowl places where you can yes yes grain and salad bowls and that that really put me in the mood for one so then I like the next couple weeks I was lunching it up on main street I did not actually go to roots but 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 that's okay because I made a little DIY grain bowl for dinner tonight it was delicious it was delicious um sometimes I'm reminded that I, I always think that a bowl of rice arugula and, or I guess in this case it was baby kale, but rice, kale, sweet potatoes, and chicken taste better when someone else makes it. But I, it tasted well. I made it. Well, for you, you made it for me. Yeah, I thought it tasted pretty good it too. It was really good. Um, but yeah, I I have actually still you know I'm always out eating. This is I think part of my my role in the mm-hmm. podcast is to eat. Um, and so I I sort of I would say played hooky, but I had planned a like five days even longer, maybe like a six day long weekend vacation and ended up only taking one day. Oh no. So um, it worked out. I spent the day at Longwood with my mom and um, you know, I always remember to go at the holidays Mm -hmm. and in the spring and in the summer, but in the fall, it sort of always falls off my radar. Um, And they do such a great job of, um, you can still hike and walk in the meadow. There still are beautiful flowers in the greenhouse, and the gardens are really, really beautiful as the trees are starting to turn colors. Um, And so we had a really nice day, went to lunch at the market at Liberty Place, and had sandwiches at Mary Pat's Provisions. I don't know about Mary Pat's. Oh my gosh, it was so good. They do gluten-free bread, so we did two gluten-free sandwiches. We had... um, like a, a BLT, which was good. But the thing that was really good was like, essentially it was a cheese steak, but there was no steak. It was a mushrooms. Oh. So so very Kenneth Square. Very Kenneth Square. And it was, Dara, it was so, so good. Um, and so, yeah, I had just a really nice fall day in Kenneth. That does sound nice. Um, I know like at the start of the fall, we're always talking about like, going and getting our pumpkins and picking apples and I still haven't done that um but I did get I've been going through the app I've been hitting the apple cider pretty hard Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. so I've just been like 
picking up different kinds, trying some from different local orchards, you know, just grabbing it at like the farmer's market, or sometimes you can even get um, some from local areas at like the grocery store too. Um, so I found, I don't think I've ever had apple cider from Highland Orchards before, mm-hmm. but I just picked up some and of course, apple cider, it's delicious. Um, but so they have a store that's located um, in Wilmington off Folk Road. Yes. I haven't been there. Have you been there? I have not been there, but I have driven past it. Yeah. And then they also, if you haven't been there, I looked up their website and they have a couple um, CSA drop-off locations. So like if your office or if you're by one of the community places where they drop off, you can get involved in a, in a CSA from them. Yeah, and CSAs, um, Delaware Nature Society has one as well. So if you're out more toward the Hocassin area, mm-hmm. that's a great option, um, especially for people who have multiple people eating. I just have myself and the interns. Mm-hmm. So usually a CSA, even the smallest option, is more food than I would need. Um, but for couples or for families, I think they're a great option, and they can expose you to fruits and vegetables you maybe wouldn't think to try. Mm-hmm. So we like to support local, and CSAs are a great way to do that. So I did want to ask you, I saw that you were at the Delaware Female Creatives Happy Hour. I was, I was, and I met a few really, really wonderful women, um, and it was so funny. I, I walked up to the table, and, you know, they sort of, like, they all turn around and stare at you as the newcomer, <laughs> um, and I did a double take, so, you know, oh, I turned to the right, introduced myself, mm-hmm. and she, that woman was lovely, and then I turned to the left, and they both turned their heads, these two women, and I had to do a double take because it was a set of identical twins. Oh, my God. I know. And I refrained from asking if they were the identical twins we talked about, I think, back in our first, our episode, first episode ever, yeah. um, who met their future, at the time, future husbands at the Twin Festival, Twinsburg, Ohio, um, and they were not those twins, Mm -hmm. I did confirm. Um, I didn't ask, but through other information I was able to confirm. But um, they're from the Pike Creek area, and they're a couple years older than us, so it was sort of interesting when I realized we don't know very many of the same people and really didn't Mm -hmm. cross paths. Um, But their mother owned the Kennett Square Paint and Sip, place that oh, was open cool. for a few mm-hmm. years and now the the storefront has closed but she still does paint and sips all over the area mm-hmm. she just doesn't have her own venue which has turned out I think to be pretty lucrative mm-hmm. you know you're minimizing overhead people want to go to whatever restaurant or brew pub do the paint and sip it's good for that business it's good for the paint you know the um the artist people love it so that was really interesting getting to know them and getting to know a few other so other women. how did you find the group and can other people still join the group? Yes. So Delaware Female Creatives, I I think they popped up on Instagram in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, not I think. I know that's how I initially found the group. But I think she only started the Instagram and Facebook groups, I don't know, maybe three weeks ago. And so in just a couple of weeks, she already had a lot of women who are interested in networking and supporting each other. So I, at some point, the podcast Instagram Probably they were recommended mm-hmm. or we had seen it. Um, possi- possibly Megan Steele, who we had back on on <laughs> in April, she may have posted something about it. I know she's she like joined the group as yeah. well. Um, but yeah, they're on Instagram at Delaware Female Creatives. And you can also find them on Facebook with the group Delaware Female Creatives. Um, and it is a private group, so you have to answer a couple of questions. But the questions are things like, what's your creative endeavor? Could the interns join? Um, they are, they, they do identify as women and females. So I feel like in that regard, yes. 
Um, but, you know, Clove doesn't leave the house. So it's probably not the best group for her. And Nutmeg doesn't like when anyone looks at her. So I'm thinking this is not the group for them. But for those who leave their houses and like to network. And are not a cat or a dog. Correct. I think it's a it's a really great group with some great women. And they're going to have various meetups coming up. Um, and actually one of the events I'm going to plug at the end is for someone I met there. Oh, that sounds great. Um, well, one thing that was in the news recently, kind of segueing to that, um, which... This is now like way back in September, but um, Delaware Today had an article for many Delaware women, hunting is a growing outlet for socializing and sustainability. Um, and so it was a fairly in-depth article, um, you know, talking to women across the state about, um, you know, how they became interested in in hunting in Delaware, you know, whether it was about spending time with their family. Um, someone said that, you know, her father took her hunting and she learned... She, th- she thought it was a way for her to learn character and responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, other women said they liked the physical activity of it or just like being outdoors and hiking and then adding on to that. Um, so apparently it's, it's becoming very, even more popular. Um, and I guess even if you're not personally interested in it, it was still an interesting article to read. Is this something you would try as another way to socialize with Delaware women? Um, I, probably not. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, we did archery and gym in high school and mm-hmm. it, it did not, we were not using, um, sharp arrows and that was a good thing. So I think, I think we'll, we'll maintain my non-hunting for now. Probably this, I've also done some archery and I don't think I was very good at it. Um, other, you know, we have a lot of female uh, Delaware women news today, actually. Um, so another one that I had pulled, and this was also back in September that I pulled this, but, um, there is a dollar coin being made for every state in the U S in order of their joining the union. Um, and obviously, you know, my joke, I like to tell people we were the United State of America Mm -hmm. and, and it's true. Um, it's not funny, but sometimes people laugh. So I, um, it's accurate. It is accurate. That's why it's funny. <laughs> so anyway, every state is getting a dollar coin that's commemorating someone important. Um, our interns are very involved this episode. I sometimes think we should YouTube live the recordings just for so you guys can understand what recording is really like. It's not glamorous. Um, but... Anyway, the Delaware coin is actually going to be the first one that comes out, of course. And it's going to be really interesting because we have someone, obviously, from Delaware. So the coin is actually going to feature Annie Jump Cannon, who is a Dover native. She went to um, Wilmington Conference Academy, which at the is now Wesley College in Dover, and then Wellesley in Massachusetts, where she was valedictorian, returned home to Delaware, became a photographer, um, anyway, she got scarlet fever, became basically deaf, um, stopped socializing and threw herself into her work. So if that's how you want, you know, if you want to be successful, you have to stop socializing and just work all the time. But she then became a physics professor at Wellesley, took some grad classes. So she's actually an astronomer who mapped pretty much everything she could find in the sky, every star, classifying about 350,000 stars. And her classification system is the one that's currently used. I had no idea about any of that. And I didn't either. And so I think it's great that, you know, through the Mint, we're both um, featuring artists who are designing Mm -hmm. the faces of the coin, but also we're featuring some of these little known, um, you know, American heroes. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that you found that article on coinworld.com. I did. So I think I actually originally saw a post for um, maybe like the the women's Delaware Delaware Office for Women's Advancement, something mm-hmm. along those lines on Facebook. And they had just posted sort of a couple sentences that this was happening. And I had to really dig to find more information. As you would. Right. And so um, I encourage you guys to follow organizations like that who will report on news that you're interested in hearing. Um, and so it's it's one thing I do. I don't, you know, I don't get too involved in a lot of every organization, <laughs> but it's nice to have news and be able to follow up on it when I'm curious. Yeah. And then you don't, you know, if you're not already subscribed to Coin World, you can still find out about it. You can still find out even though mm-hmm. you're not an avid coin collector. Well, it must be a big, um, big season for coin collectors and stamp collectors because I saw today... Um, this week, there is news for the, the stamp collecting world and also just anyone who mails letters um, that Winter Gardens are going to be featured on the new 2020 U.S. Um, Forever stamps. So there will be... Um, Winter is one of 10 locations that will appear as part of the American Gardens collection. Only 10 locations. So you guys, not even every state gets to be in this one. Yeah, so if you're sending out mail, you can send out a little pic- picture of Delaware when you do. You can, you can. Um, and then one other piece of news I just wanted to bring up. This one is more upcoming. Um, so previously recorded, yet to be released. Mm-hmm. Well, another example of Delaware going out. Delaware in, going out. So we're talking the world, some Delawareans, decide. someone in the wild, or at mm-hmm. least getting their ideas into the wild. So um, we have a couple of Wilmingtonians, or actually three Wilmingtonians, um, who had, had an idea and they took it to Shark Tank. So I realized in reading this article, I'm pretty sure that we saw, if not them, but their vehicle at the Millennial Summit over the summer. Yes, I think so. Um, and it's really interesting. They had this idea that people have broken, damaged cell phones, laptops, etc. And normally you have to find a repair shop, drop it off. Mm-hmm. Three weeks later, you can pick it up. But in the meantime, you don't have your cell phone you don't have a laptop. So they thought, what if there's a kiosk that you could drop it off? So just like an Amazon locker or Mm -hmm. Redbox is probably the thing more people have used. You drop off your item, a mobile team repairs it, and then drops it back off and you can pick it up Mm -hmm. at the kiosk. So they had this idea, but it doesn't exist. And so they went on Shark Tank with a prototype. Yeah. And so we were actually, unfortunately we can't attend, but, um, the Mill is having a special screening of the Shark Tank episode um, when it airs Sunday night, um, which for some people might be after uh, or before they listen to this episode. Um, but we're trying to get it out sooner. So hopefully you guys will be up to date. And if not, you can always watch it on demand or online after the fact. So I'm about to butcher their names, so I apologize in advance, but Markevis Gideon and his partners, Jake Voorhees and Jonathan Hoxter, who are behind this kiosk idea, um, you can see them on Shark Tank this Sunday, October 27th at 9 p.m. And this looks like, I mean, every single one is a good entrepreneur um, episode, but this one we've got entrepreneurs from Wilmington, entrepreneurs from Denver, and a couple, a family from Grand Junction, Colorado. So it looks like even outside of just our Wilmington, Delaware connection, we're going to have a good episode. So definitely check that out. If you get the chance, head out to one of the um, events related to it at the mill. We'll post info for those. And, um, and maybe someday you'll see one of these kiosks close to you in Delaware, or you'll see, um, their vehicle, which is like a 
an ambulance, but for technology, driving around. I wish we had a good pun. But it's, we're too tired for that, but I'm out. I don't have anything. So, um, with that, I think we'll, we'll bring in our guests. So we're wrapping up October with a little bit of a spooky episode, a little bit of a history episode. We're joined now by Stacy Mayheron, um, director of Greenbank Mill and Phillips Farm and Ellen Weiner, a local storyteller who performs as part of Greenbank's Folklore Friday events. Um, so one of you is a Delaware native, I believe, and the other one is not. So I was wondering, could you start by introducing yourselves and telling us how you how your, you, your journey to your the journey. great state? Or to staying in the great state? Yes. Sure. Um, my name is Ellen Weiner, and I've lived in Delaware my entire life. I've always been in Newcastle County, but I do a lot of traveling up and down the coast. So I really enjoy... Uh, going to all the local museums, all the local greenways, doing a lot of walking in our local areas and learning about all the local history, which is how I connected with some of the museums and eventually, through history, connected with Stacy. So what about you, Stacy? So you are a transplant. I am. I'm actually Canadian. Oh. Um, have we, we've, we've never had an international <laughs> guest. We've had guests who live internationally, but not are inherently international. This is exciting. This is I'm very fancy. exciting. You are fancy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I moved down here about six and a half years ago. Um, met my wife um, through some travel that I did and we got married. We actually got married at Green Bank, which is how we kind of got involved. Um, and then as my like work authorization happened, uh, there was a job that opened up. So I got to change from being a volunteer to being a paid staff member and then kind of growing the position and growing the organization from there. Oh, wow. So what, um, I, I know the, you've mentioned volunteers are a huge part of Green Bank and, and keeping it going. Um, I'm sure the jobs are very different in, in some ways. Yes. Yeah. So what does it mean to be director of Green Bank and, and, and just give us a little background on Green Bank in general, because we haven't really touched on what it is, where it is, what mm-hmm. you do, et cetera. Sure. Um, so it's it's a small um, historic site. It's a nonprofit, privately owned. Um, we're right by Wilmington and Western Railroad behind Price's Corner. It's kind of neat. Like, it's so busy and loud, and then you turn off and you get into Green Bank, and it's quiet. And most people probably know the buildings if they've driven past them. If I had a quarter every time someone says, I've driven past here so many times I didn't know it was a thing, I wouldn't have to apply for grants anymore. <laughs> um, so we, we, we interpret, um, right now currently the early republic, um, so it's 18, or sorry, 1790 to 1830, um, kind of when the country was first figuring out who it was, um, what it was going to be, um, and we do that through the, with focus on the social, the um, economic, agricultural, and industrial path. So it kind of touches on everything which is a, a nice way to connect with the community um, and being the director that my job is to connect the community with the site to maintain its um, significance and importance um, to be able to just teach everybody about their past so often I mean you guys know this is why you're doing your podcast people think of Delaware going eh it's just a pass-through state yeah the, the joke we usually get is oh so what do you have two or three episodes and then you run out and yes. like we said we have a year and a half and we have yet to exhaust our list. Right. And that's what I've learned with, with Green Bank. And I think me not being from here also gives me a unique perspective is that I can look at stuff that maybe Delaware natives are going, eh, whatever. 
But for me, it's like, hey, no, this is really interesting and we should explore this more. And, you know, maybe you haven't delved into it fully, so let's expand upon that. And that's kind of where Folklore Friday came from as well. It's just that way to kind of connect and communicate better. So why is Green Bank, why is Green Bank important to Delaware and the area? Um, we're the last standing um, mill on the Red Clay Creek, um, which is, there used to be 40. Um, and this creek is where the... Um, where flour milling, like grist milling, was innovated better and made to what we kind of know now, and it progressed it so that we have mass-produced flour. Um, there was a local Newport um, inventor, his name was Oliver Evans. He had, before the Falkland Spice Mill was the Falkland Spice Mill, it was his, and that's where he started to innovate um, what eventually um, received the third U.S. patent. And ever. The ever, third U.S. patent ever. Signed by George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. Um, so... Washington saw it, wanted to, like, oh, he kind of squeed, because that's what he does with farming stuff. And he installed it at Mount Vernon. We installed it a year later at Green Bank, a year or two later. Um, and that made it go from a system that needed 12 to 16 people, very labor-intensive, to only needing one to two. Um, and when he was trying to sell it, inventors are interesting people. He threw his mailing system on when he knew he had a group of people coming by, and then went and took a nap in a field. <laughs> I am an engineer, so I, I understand the plight of the early engineers. Yes. Uh, socialization, maybe not always our, our strong point. It was not his forte. Um, so how long have you been at Green Bank now? About six years, you said? Uh, around six years, yeah. Okay. So what um, what is the... You mentioned that like, sometimes with Delaware we find out something and we're like, oh, I had no idea. So we know about the patent now. The third we know about the patent, um, and I'm always pleasantly surprised to see how many or to find out how many connections George Washington really did have to Delaware, because um, we hear so much, you know, Philadelphia and Virginia <laughs> and Boston. But guess what? Everybody else was on the East Coast too. So <laughs> don't forget about us. Um, so I'm always pleasantly surprised to hear that. Um, but I wondered because we have such a rich colonial history, and like I said, you sort of get like Williamsburg and Jamestown. Philadelphia, Boston, and then you're like, all right, I ran out of towns, Plymouth right. Rock. I don't know. After that, what do we have? Um, but we had historic Newcastle, which we've somewhat preserved, and you know, we still have a lot of those colonial kind of festivals and things like that. But um, we had so many different European settlers come to this area: the Swedes, the Dutch, the French, the English, etc. Do you know kind of who had originally settled that land? Yeah, the Swedes did. The Swedes. So yeah. keeping in mind, we were very Swedish at that time. Very. Um, That's cool. So, Ellen, mm -hmm. you, how did you become connected to Green Bank? Uh, we met through... My wife was a friend of yours already. I think so. I yeah. think I met through your wife. And yeah. then uh, I had been volunteering at some other local museums, and I did a Folklore Friday-esque um, uh, evening at a, a local museum, and uh, Stacy asked me if I'd be interested in doing that for Green Bank. Green Bank as well. But I've been a volunteer at Green Bank for about a year and a half, probably. Yeah. I had the opportunity to go in and help put down a new floor on the Rams Pen, uh, which was exciting actually. It was a lot of hard work uh, pulling everything up and putting down new sand, new stone. So you don't just do papers. glamorous volunteer. No, no, no. We <laughs> get dirty. You're not filthy. You yes. Okay. <laughs> but uh, it's it's something that I wanted to learn how to do myself because I've always wanted to put in pavers behind the house. So now that I've volunteered and learned how to do it at Green Bank, I can do it at home for myself as well. So you can come direct the interns to do it yes, at my house too. Exactly. That would be great. Yes. Um, you I, mentioned the Rams pen. Yes. This is, this is a bit more 
of a of a sizable intern than what Yeah, so here. so there are Rams. You have you have many interns, it sounds like. You have Rams, sheep, sheep, squirrels. Many I heard, squirrels. I heard maybe maybe like a barn cat. Oh yeah. Yeah, we have many barn cats. Three barn cats. Okay. They do a very good job. They do. Yeah. yeah. One of them not so much. She likes oh. to be the queen of everything, but you know, there's always one in every Someone has to group. be the director of the interns. Right. And <laughs> Stacy is very busy with her everyday job. That's probably why she Exactly. Well, she that's why we in. called her Martha. We oh. named her after Martha Washington. There we go. For mm-hmm. that very reason. Mm-hmm. She Excellent. Looks, she looks over at everybody very judgy. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody has to do it. Right. Um, so it's good to know. So what role do the interns have in like the living history of the mill maybe you know i'm sure you have actual the actual you have actual interns we have human interns so we'll talk about the animal interns and then we can probably talk <laughs> about like the size of the staff and that kind of thing. right um so our we have heritage breed sheep um we we trace that back to the site's kind of middle of its prominence in our time period um but what, so many times when people hear collections, they think, and living history, they think either costumes or dusty objects that are hidden behind a piece of fiberglass, behind a velvet rope, and we don't do that. So your, your collection. They're living collections, and part of living history is not just seeing things, it's the sights, it's the smells, it's the sounds, and they give you plenty of all of that. Um, and they're what The smells, sweet. everyone, the smells. Yes. <laughs> and the sounds. I mean, yeah. if you're late on their food, dang, oh. you hear it. And they're fluffy. They're great. They are fluffy. Yes. So so do you guys, I don't even know if this is the right terminology, but like harvest the wool and the whole shearing? Yeah. yeah, so we shear it. Um, we do it <laughs> at the, the last Saturday of every April, and we've actually turned it into a big event. Um, it started off a little small, and we've slowly cultivated it into a festival. Um, so we, we, love, teach, we love a good event. Yeah, it's, it's free. It's family-friendly. We have food trucks. We have an herb sale. And we have um, shearing demonstrations, I think, every hour or half hour, depending on how many sheep we need to get through. Um, and then we show people the process. So not only are they getting shorn that day, but you also see how you know they get picked, or like the, the fleece gets picked um, and carded, spun, dyed. And then you'll also see people either weaving or knitting or what have you, just kind of tie it all together. And my favorite part of that is going over and getting my herbs as quickly as I can in the morning before everyone else picks up their herbs. Yeah. And then they set it aside with my name on it so then I can walk around and mm. uh, listen to all the people talk about the mill and take tours from so the different you, volunteers. You're given insider yes, knowledge this being is the dropped. Tip. <laughs> Go early in the day. Yes. <laughs> but the pre orders. Exactly. The pre order is even better. Um, but I still have most of my herbs I've bought the last three years there. And they're yeah. still growing strong. And it's just a great reminder when I put it in dinner at night, you know, this is where I got it from. Local and you're supporting, you know, a local nonprofit mm-hmm. museum, which is great. Um, so it sounds like you guys have stuff going on year round with history tours. I'm assuming you do school field trips. Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, of course. Um, but the thing that really caught our eye was the Folklore Friday event. So you guys have been hyping them on Facebook. Um, so we saw all that going on, started following, and it looks like they've been really, really popular and successful. They have been. They've kind of exploded this year, which is amazing. Like, I think our lowest attended one was 20-some-odd people, which was an amazing night last year when we started the program. So it's Mm -hmm. really great. Um, The feedback we've been getting from the events is awesome. And what our whole point was with it was, how do we like to enjoy history? Um, And it's not always getting lectured at, because that reminds us a lot of school and tests and nope. Um, 
but we've we've part found lo local historians, um, and what I kind of do is say you pick the story because I want it to be something that interests you, that fascinates you, because if I tell you what you're to talk about, that passion's not going to translate through. It's not going to be as exciting for you or our guests. And then from there, when they tell me what they're doing, I research um, historically themed libations and food. Um, so it's just getting better and better. Yes. I didn't know about the libations and food. Oh, yeah. yeah. We love we love a good snack. <laughs> That's good. And, and you're such a fantastic cook. So Thank you. I, uh, anytime I go over to the mill uh, and she has food prepared or drinks prepared, it's always something that I want to participate in. So. Well, good, because we've got a lot of food for uh, Friday. Goodness gracious. Yeah. Friday, you said you're doing caramel apples? We're doing caramel apples. We're doing apple farls. We are doing... Potatoes? Well, that has potatoes in it. Okay. What's an apple farl? Uh, it's essentially, it's a potato pancake with spiced apples in between. It's like a potato quesadilla almost. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we need to try that. That sounds really good. You guys can come on Friday. <laughs> but for listeners, I had seen last week you guys posted that you were sold out. It's a free event, though. It right? is a free event. So you were sold out, totally, fully reserved. But then I saw a little update that maybe there were some sneaky extra seats if you knew the right person yeah. and showed up. Yeah, so you show up, we're probably not going to turn you away. <laughs> Bring your lawn chair just in case. So is it, are your Folklore Fridays are outdoors? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we're outside in front of the Phillips Farmhouse. Um, we build a nice bonfire there. Um, try to make it as big as possible. Mm -hmm. We've had to start brainstorming because it is a lot larger than we anticipated that not everyone gets a seat by the fire and as the nights get a little bit cooler. Mm -hmm. So hopefully we'll have some braziers lit, but you know, people should dress a little bit warmer. Um, How late will you go into the season? So this is our last one for the season, um, but they've been so popular that we've, um, partnered with the Mitchell Center for the new, um, sorry, the Delaware Historical Society, and we're going to be doing another one in, in December. It's going to be a special holiday-themed one, um, and we're going to be using that to also jumpstart our theme for next year, which is um, more inclusivity in history. A lot of times history is very whitewashed. It's mm -hmm. very much, um, you know, the, the tale of the privileged. Limited perspectives. Right, and so we want to expand that because it, our history is everybody. It's everybody's story. It's not just those that happen to have the money to be able to tell their stories. So um, we have partnered with the Mitchell Center to talk about Kwanzaa. They're going to be singing, uh, or they're going to be doing um, songs and stories that are from the tradition of Kwanzaa. Um, Ellen and another one of our friends is going to be doing um, the stories of Hanukkah, songs of Hanukkah. And then we've got um, a local, two people from a local band that are going to be singing Christmas carols as well. Oh my gosh. And this is going to be at Green Bank? This is going to be at Green Bank. Okay. We're going to actually be opening up the Phillips Farmhouse because we understand it's a little bit too cold to be outside, but we'll have our hearth. We have two hearths in our main room in there. We'll have those lit. Um, so we get more historic libations that are themed to the different cultures so that every culture in December, kind of, as many cultures as we can in December, kind of get a voice and a chance to celebrate. Cool. And if you're looking for some place to really feel that uh, holiday spirit with the lights and that kind of old world charm. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't uh, push any place more than this. It's so neat to just walk into a place that's lit up. You've got the warm glow on the walls and happy faces and lots of nice people telling stories. So uh, every event that they've had, you get that welcoming feeling when you walk in. So it's really nice. And so, so I, I wanted to ask you, Ellen, um, what is it about Green Bank that makes it a good place for storytelling? And then what are some of the stories that you've been telling this fall? I think the setting is really beautiful. Just seeing the historical 
Um, having the historical ambiance around you makes a big difference. Uh, and for any good story, you need a setting to start with, and then you need good storytellers, and then you need a lot of people to watch. <laughs> so um, the Green Bank events and the Folklore Fridays have been that for, uh, for Folklore Fridays. We've got an amazing setting with uh, a great fire, and the food and the drink really uh, make people feel at home, and the staff really make people feel welcome, as well as all the volunteers. Uh, and then the storytellers they've picked have been fantastic, specifically because Stacy really does ask everyone uh, to come and tell something that they're passionate about. So when you sit down and you listen to all the storytellers talk about what they do and what they enjoy, and uh, they, they get animated with the story, which is very important to a good story and to be a good storyteller. So it's, it's fun. How did you become a storyteller? I think that's my father's fault. Uh, my father started coming into my classroom when I was in first or second grade uh, for the holidays, growing up Jewish. Uh, and would bring in his guitar and would tell stories about the Maccabees and would tell stories about uh, singing and dancing and, you know, what it was like growing up in our culture. Uh, and so I, I grew up uh, in a house of storytellers. And then my mother was Irish and uh, regaled me with stories in <laughs> so Ireland. More storytelling. Exactly, more, more storytelling. Story you can't escape it in my house. So uh, brought up to it. And then uh, I'm an extreme geek and I love Dungeons and Dragons and... We play together. Uh, we play together. <laughs> so we tell a lot of stories in our lives, and I think it's important to share those stories with as many people as possible. How do you know when a story is going well? So the most important thing when you're telling a story is to make eye contact with the people that you're talking to. So you In want this to, case, our intern, Chloe. In this <laughs> case, your intern, Chloe, which She's is very, very excited <laughs> with me. But I have three interns at home. So she probably smells all three of my interns as well. Well, she's going to convert you, and she will become your favorite. Excellent. That's her goal. Well, we'll work on that today. <laughs> but she's uh, not going to be happy. No, no. <laughs> I have three very jealous interns at home. Um, so you asked how to connect with the people. Uh, so you want to practice storytelling. Storytelling isn't something that you can just sit down and start with, although that's the way you should. You should sit down and start practicing with your friends, telling stories around the fire, telling stories uh, at local events if you'd like. Um, but to, to tell a good story, you need a setting. You need to figure out the structure of your story and know ahead of time, even if you're going to wing it, what's the structure of, for me, what's the structure of a ghost story? So you have your hero, you have the revenge of the ghost, and then at the end, you have the twist, which is, is the ghost still there? Was he banished? Did he get away? And is the hero going to be safe in the future? Maybe we don't know. So that's the, the typical story uh, that you hear with most ghost stories. Uh, and so you'll have a structure to any type of storytelling uh, setting that you have. Um, you want to personalize your stories. You want to make the audience understand that you know what you're talking about. You know the local area. You want to bring in... Um, local um, places, people, maybe the story happened to a friend of a friend of a friend and you heard the story down the line and now you're retelling it. Uh, you want to be excited about what it is you're saying uh, and just make it sound familiar to yourself. Um, you want to try different character voices. If you have an old woman, maybe you need to speak in an older woman's voice. Or if you have a large man who's stomping through the woods, maybe you need to, you know, project a little bit and give them some of that, that feeling. You want to connect with the people by looking at them, uh, talking to them and gesturing. 
and you just want to be willing to move your body a little bit with the story. Mm -hmm. So, and then in the end, you just want to make sure that everyone feels connected to you. So, sharing yourself with the story. Is there an audience that is always your favorite audience? Like, thinking about like little kids or um, we had we had a comic on last time and she, she does nursing home. She the nursing home comic circuit. <laughs> nice. I don't know that it's hopping, but there are not a lot of comics who do clean comedy, which mm-hmm. is what's in demand nice. at nursing homes. Um, and so she says they're they're always a great crowd. Nice. Um, so yeah, what's your sort of your favorite audience if you have one? It's always going to be kids. Children are always invested in a good story. Uh, and we think about kids not having a lot of attention span and maybe not being able to sit still for a long time. But I think that's because our brains get so cluttered with the technological speed of everything that we do from day to day that the moment we're captured in something that's happening in right in front of us, uh, the kids just hyper-focus. They love it. So it's, it's a lot of fun to focus back on the kids as they're focusing on you. Uh, and if someone is a little rambunctious, you can ask a question. What would you have done if this happened? And the kid pipes up and says exactly what they would have done and said, you know what? You're right. And that's what the person in our story did. And then you continue. So there's a lot of way to fold in audience participation to a story that you might not have expected when you started. Stacy, when was the first time that you heard Ellen tell a story? Around my bonfire, I think. Probably. Yeah. We, yeah. Just, we always have bonfires in our backyard, and that's part of where my inspiration for this whole program came from. It's just <laughs> all the stories that we would tell in our backyard. And, like, for me, not being from here, I get asked Canadian stories, and she would then fill me in on. love her Canadian stories. <laughs> <laughs> I had, like, our pest control person today finally realized that I'm not from here. And he's like, oh my gosh, you're Canadian, you need to tell me everything. I'm like, Hey. Yeah. <laughs> is it is it, is is it that different? It is. In some it's ways. not. You know, at some points it's it's very similar that you wouldn't know the difference. And then other ways it's so vastly different. I'm wondering, is it a bigger deal to people, because we are in Delaware, is it a bigger deal that you're not from Delaware? Or is it a bigger deal that you're from Canada? I like that you're from Canada. I think it's because I'm from Canada. I, I don't know. Okay. I think we really love our Canadian neighbors because they're so nice. <laughs> yeah. But last time a friend of mine went to Canada, they told me that they drove over the line and they were here in the States and then they were suddenly in Canada and the sky was blue and the grass was green. <laughs> I mean, and people were having. I picnics. know the grass is greener <laughs> on the other side, but it can't be that dramatically different. I mean, I'm not going to be biased, but. <laughs> but also, you live here now. Right. I, I do. <laughs> we stole you. And yeah, I mean, the grass is greener some, like half of the year. Because the other time it's covered by snow. This is true. Mm-hmm. So you can't mm-hmm. see it. Yeah. But I, I love stories. And I, I think that's why uh, I love the events that she has. Because it's all telling stories. My sister lived in Morocco for three years in the Peace Corps. And so, you know, once a month while she was gone, I'd call her and just say, please tell me everything. Tell me all the stories about what you've learned mm-hmm. and seen. Tell me about the culture that you've picked up, the different languages, teach me a new word that I've never heard before. Uh, and anytime I go to Green Bank, I get that too. I get a new story, maybe some new type of experience I've never seen or had. And that's, uh, it's really enriching. I taught one of our volunteers the word took today. Did you? Yeah. Good word. Yeah. He's like, that's not a word. I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> no, it's not, Stacey. You're an American. I'm like, yes, I am. But it's still a word. <laughs> okay. So enlighten. All of us. It's a knit hat, I guess, or he called it a beanie. Because I was uh-huh. like, beanie ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, I just think of the little thing with the, like, with the, the pop. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, a beanie. Like, huh. 
So yeah, he told me that that's what it was. Yeah. Oh, so, so it's a little knit hat that comes down around your ears, right? Oh, it doesn't even have to come around your ears. No. It's just like a knit hat. And it's like nice. you wear it to cover your head in the winter. Okay. okay. Look at that. We've yeah. all learned a little bit. Um, so we've talked a lot about folklore events and storytelling, which you guys, it sounds like that's maybe like your most frequent event that you guys are holding now. Currently, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then what other kind of events do you guys do? Obviously you have your shear- the shearing festival, um, and you're doing, you do some holiday stuff and then you also can do private events. Yeah. Um, so you can, well, we're, um, in December, we also have our holiday tea. That's the same weekend as the holiday tea. Yeah, it's gonna be. 18, we love a good tea. tea. We do love a good tea. Mm-hmm. I've actually. Awesome. Already I don't want to say we've been to all the tea rooms. Um, so this is. Um, we just restarted this. It was popular before I started working in Green Bank, and then our community was like, "You need to do this again." So we're like, "Cool, we'll do it." We tried to do a few different variations of it, and we're like, "Nope, just do it this way." So we do a colonial inspired tea. We have costumed servers that will serve everybody their tea and food. Um, just like Felicity. Yes. (laughs) Um, and yeah, it's really good. We do, um, historic recipes for that as well. Um, regular tea. And if we have a specific theme, like we did Outlander a few years ago, so we had an Outlander tea that, that I got for the, it's, they're very well received. Um, so you can hire us to do a uh, private tea for you if you'd like. Um, we also do private events where you can just rent the facility out for your wedding, your... Because you, you had your wedding there. Right, yeah. And that's that's kind of how we pay our overhead costs. So that mm-hmm. way I can tell all of our donors that your your donation doesn't go to pay my salary. It doesn't go to pay to keep the lights on. That goes exactly to the programming, the preservation. So the overhead's covered. Mm-hmm. Um, everything else goes directly back into the site, which is great. Yeah. I was actually blessed with the opportunity to officiate a wedding there. That's true. So for mutual friends of ours. Oh, for wow. one of our board members. Yes. Oh, so so, was, so everybody who's involved with Green Bank really like feels passionately connected. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've worked to cultivate um, a community where everybody feels like they have a voice. Um, every time I get a new volunteer, I make sure that they understand that it doesn't matter if they are the person that's cleaning up the sheep stalls or you're the board chair. Everybody's voice here is important. Everybody is worthy of the same amount of respect, and it doesn't matter where you come from. It's the content of your character that matters when you walk through the door. And you learn so much there, and you. You have a great opportunity to connect with other people and meet other people in the area that you might not have met through work or through school. Uh, so it's a great uh, melting pot to, to find out new things and find new people. Yeah, we've got a, a really awesome variety of volunteers with skills that stun me, and it is just... Like your livestock manager? <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's pretty amazing. I don't know how Sarah does it, but bless her for, for doing it. Um, yeah, I'm just always kind of humbled that I get the opportunity to create this environment for these people and lead the, this amazing group of people that are choosing to be here because everyone's time is so like precious anymore and um, our volunteers are really amazing and they're when I'm having a really terrible day they're what helps me keep going and keep um, trying to come up with ways to keep the place sustainable and she's actually had really great art events You've had a, a really neat art event with painting. Yeah, we've, we've done a few plenaires. Plenaires, and then uh, one of the other events that I liked um, that you partnered with some local groups. And you've done partnering before. Yeah, we've done some um, civil war. Yeah, we've done civil war. Um, even though we're a Quaker site, we did a civil war um, event. Um, we've done ghost tours. And we actually have a ghost tour coming up in two weeks on November 9th. Um, I'm trying to think about. 
we've done maker, makers markets, but mm -hmm. we were just my, mostly a host site for that. So lots of little things. And then you've got a lot of construction going on too. For us personally, because yes. Yes. <laughs> the board meeting on Monday was just like, cool, we've got a lot to do. Um, yeah. We're, we're introducing a whole slew of new programs next year too. We're trying to, um, it's a 100th anniversary of the women's suffrage movement, so where women got the chance to vote. Um, but we also want to highlight that not all women got the chance to vote or the opportunity at that point, so we want to talk about that. Um, and we're going to be working with some um, local wine and spirit merchants to kind of do that. Um, I don't know when we're launching that program. We just had the preliminary meeting kind of hashing stuff out, and then we're also going to be doing playing with history to kind of help further connect. I feel like I got off topic. But no. <laughs> no, that was great. We just wanted to know kind of what's going on and what's coming up. Um, it sounds like throughout a lot of your events, like we're not so much talking about history, but we're talking a lot about community, either through like your folklore Fridays and the storytelling events, or just like you talking about your volunteers. Um, you seem like so appreciative and, and thankful to have them around and like really know everyone. Do you find that that is that special to Green Bank? Is that because it is like a living history site and you know, you're not so much interacting with um, objects, but really, really strongly interacting with people? I, yes and no. I think that it's, it's a trend that a lot of museums are starting to take, um, but that's something that we've, I feel like we've kind of started to lead the charge a little bit, but we're tiny, so no one kind of notices that we're starting to make that wave. Because um, like the big dates are important, the the big you know f historical figures are important, um, but America wasn't made with just the founding fathers. You know it was made by a series of communities, all intertwining, each of them being a thread that kind of made the fabric of where we are now. And you don't get that without focusing on the local, and you don't get that without focusing on the the community. And Green Bank has been blessed from its very beginning in 1677 to now. Um, with a strong, amazing community, so long as we're listening to the community and trying to be there for them. Um, when we were burned down in 1969, the community got together and said, no, this isn't right, and they rebuilt the whole, um, the grist mill and the, the Madison factory, so. It, I, it's a living area. It, it doesn't change so much uh, when you're looking at it and when you're going to all the different events, but uh, the different people who are presenting uh, you learn new things from these people who are there that they cultivate. So I, I guess one of my favorite classes that I took there was natural dyeing and spinning. Um, so I got to sit and watch people do natural dyes for, I must have sat for two hours and talked to them and learned how to, you know, put different dyes and different things in. So That's one of the more popular stations at Shearing. Yeah. Good. Well, we are close to out of time, so we should wrap up with sort of everything we have coming up. You guys mentioned a few things like the upcoming history, haunted history tour, um, the walking tour, and your tea, and your Folklore Friday, not only this weekend, but the one coming up in December. Um, so I don't know if you guys want to give any more specifics on that stuff. That one's for members. How do you become a member now? Um, so you can go to our website. Um, it's greenbankmail.com. We do have the membership um, form available through there, through, through PayPal. And you, your membership is like $15. It starts at $15. So so for those who sometimes, for me, I know I see like went to their memberships and I'm like, oh, I could get $5 off this lecture, but I don't know that I really need a full membership. I don't know that I visit enough. And um, for somebody, we always say we're bougie on a budget. We try to be very <laughs> conscious of that. 
fifteen dollars is probably manageable for most. And we try to make sure that you're you're getting benefit from that. Like we get the benefit of expanding our community, um, and we want to make sure that we're respectful of that. So we'll um, for the anybody that signs up through um, the Folklore Friday kind of um, time period. When, if they come to the one in December that is members only, we're going to have a special gift for anybody that's signed up for that. Ooh. And it's a take-home, mm-hmm. so. You guys, yes. $15, you get a Folklore Friday event, you're a member, I guess it's annually, so for a year, yeah. you get a gift, there are going to be snacks. <laughs> you get a free herb at sharing day. Oh, Yay. herbs. This is just getting better and better. You guys, and herbs are expensive. They are. They just yeah. 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 So just this is And a as long deal. as you don't kill them, they keep on giving. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you do, sometimes they come back. It's true. <laughs> These and volunteers. Really yeah. It's <laughs> true. So, yeah. So it sounds like, you know, great if you want to be a member. If not, there are lots of events that are open to non-members. Right. Majority of them, it sounds like. The majority of them are open to members. We do offer member discounts. So for our um, Green Bank haunts on November 9th, members get a $5 off. To, for the, any ticket that they purchase. Right. Okay. So you could be purchasing for each other, and we want to have a membership. Please don't do that. But, like, you know, support <laughs> us. But, you know, we're not going to say no because we appreciate you bringing somebody in that's not a member, and maybe they'll choose to become one if they see value in what we're doing. So greenbankmill.com, and then you guys are on social media. Yeah, you want to drop all that? We're on Facebook. At Green Bank Mills is our handle, and same thing with Instagram. Sort of on Twitter, but eh. Um, Twitter, Twitter is a useful tool for certain markets. Yeah, and I don't think our market's on Twitter so much, but... Um, but your, your Instagram posts are fantastic. Thanks. Yes. So yeah. we, we get our sheep yesterday. Yes. You get the sheep. You got me power washing yesterday. Everyone's <laughs> like, you're a director. You're bougie. I'm like, nope. <laughs> I, I get down and dirty, too. Yeah. I'm definitely boots on the ground as well. That way I know what's going on. Yeah. Ellen, um... Are you open to other storytelling opera? Like if someone wanted to get in touch with you, find out more about storytelling or have you come tell a story? Is that something that you Absolutely. do? Absolutely. Um, I can give my email. Yeah. Um, you can reach me at ellenshoshana at gmail.com and it's spelled E-L-L-E-N-S-H-O-S-H-A-N-A at gmail.com. And I, I've done a lot of storytelling in the area and I love uh, participating in groups and learning. So... If anyone's interested in learning how to storytell or would like to come out to an event and see storytellers perform, there's a lot in the area that I'm connected with and I can help people find them. And they're always welcome to contact us through the website too and I can pass them on to... Perfect. And for listeners, as always, we will post all the contact info and um, event pages, etc. for everything we've been mentioning. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a couple of events we're looking forward to coming up. Dee, what do you want to tell us about? Yeah, so we found a nice mix of... Um, free, paid, kind of outside of your comfort zone, inside of your comfort zone, um, makes events coming up. One of them we did want to put on your radar um, is a Save the Date, which is something we're talking about, checking out. It's the 56th annual Delaware Antiques Show. Um, And something that intrigued me is that they say welcome to all, from the newest collector to, um, you know, the most knowledgeable connoisseur. So I think that I would, I do not consider myself a collector. I consider myself like a looker that... um, It'd be, it'd be interesting to check out. So that is happening November 7th through the 10th at the Chase Center at the Riverfront. Um, it's $15 per person or talking about membership, um, you can get a $13 ticket if you're a member of Winneter. And to find out more, you can go to winneter.org slash DAS for the Delaware Antiques Show. Um, there's also, I saw, there's a fall photography stroll happening at Mount Cuba on Saturday, November 2nd. 
Um, and that's happening pretty early in the morning, 7 to 10 a.m. Um, but you'll be able to wander the grounds with um, a Mount Cuba horticulturalist, and um, you'll get some insider knowledge of the gardens and hopefully take some beautiful photos. Sounds good. And if you do not want to become the artist, you just want to admire and appreciate local artists. Um, we mentioned earlier, I went to the Delaware Female Creatives Meetup and one of the women I met, Kristen Hess, is a local painter. Um, and she is going to be one of the artists featured in the Unionville Art Gala this year. So it's held at Unionville High School. It's free to attend and there's plenty of parking that is also free. Um, they have oil, paintings, jewelry, watercolor, glass, wood, pottery, pastel, sculpture, like anything you can think of, it's gonna be featured. They're gonna have over 70 artists. Um, and anything you purchase from the event is going to be 30% of proceeds will go to the Unionville High School PTO. So it's a fun little local event, support local artists. It's low cost for those who are bougie on a budget. And if you go Friday night of the weekend, there will be a live um, live music and reception with food. Um, and that is going to be Friday, November 15th from 6 to 9 p.m. And Saturday the 16th from 11 to 4 p.m. Um, at Unionville High School. Okay. And I thought of you when I saw this event um, because for some reason in my head I have you as a huge Beatles fan because you went to that one Beatles concert with your dad. I am a normal amount of a Beatles normal, fan. But not the Beatles but, concert, but the rock right, orchestra. But you know, when I went to the Delaware Rock Orchestra Beatles Fest, I, I only went to one night and there were people who bought like season passes. So they went five nights in a row for hours. They played every single Beatles album from the first one released all the way through. Wow. And so it was about two to three albums a night. Watching. Yeah, so it was two to three albums a night for five nights in a row. So my dad and I, I thought, you know, he's re he really likes the Beatles. It'll be a fun little night out. So we went and we left and got in the car and he turned on the Beatles Sirius XM. And I was like, I, I thought that was like a good amount <laughs> of the Beatles. Is this normal? And I posted it on Twitter and then he saw it and replied on um, Twitter and said yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, if your dad needs more Beatles, um, Coro Allegro um, a Delaware Chamber Choir group is having their Madrigal Mystery Tour, um, and that's Madrigal, not Magical, um, coming up the Arden Guild Hall in Arden on Saturday, November 9th. Um, it's an evening show. Um, it's $30 to go for um, a musical evening featuring the Beatles' greatest hits in styles ranging from jazz to contemporary choral, um, as well as the versions you might have heard from the rock orchestra, more traditional playings. Um, and then this event is actually also the gala for um, Coro Allegro. So there'll be um, drinks and snacks, which we love, and, um, and a live auction. And most of the time benefits like that are pretty expensive, but this one is only $30 for a ticket. So very reasonable. And um, we've been to events in Arden before. Arden is a, the Guild Hall is a lovely, lovely venue, and it's really nice to be in an artist community. You have people who all feel really passionately about pursuing creative, um, pursuit, pursuing creative pursuits. I don't have a better way to say that, but, um, so we love supporting the Arden community and other, um, arts communities, mm -hmm. arts organizations mm -hmm. in our community. So, um, Ellen and Stacy, you've told us so many great things about Green Bank and the events that you have coming up. Um, wondering if you have anything you're personally looking forward to or if there's something that, you know, when you do have a break from the many jobs that come with being director of a nonprofit, you know, what is something that you enjoy doing in Delaware this time of year? Oh gosh, this is like, <laughs> this is your busy time this of year. Is my, yeah. Or any time of year. What do you like to do any time In Delaware? Mm -hmm. Um, I like to check out the local drink scene. 
scene, to be honest with you, hit up the riverfront when it's skating season, because I do miss that about Canada, even though I'm the most clumsy person ever. Um, and the SCA has a lot of cool events. I think um, there's one actually on Saturday at Green Bank that's similar that uh, my wife and I are talking about stopping by. Oh, yeah, I'm a member of a local historical group that's part of a national uh, organization called the Society for Creative Anachronism. And basically, we're taking uh, pre-1600 history, uh, 100s history out of place and time and experiencing it in the here and now. So same thing Stacy's doing, but just older. <laughs> so I, I've, I've been learning to um, uh, paint medieval illuminations, and I go to a lot of events locally that we hold uh, to learn how to do painting or weaving or spinning, or I teach a lot of butter making classes and cheese making classes in the we area. We do. We do like cheese. And do butter. you? Yeah, yeah. Do you like cheese a lot? Yeah. we can make a lot of cheese. <laughs> I can make cheese in half an hour. <laughs> so. Um, so for listeners who are interested in SCA, how would they find uh, SCA.org. And um, then you can find the local chapter. Absolutely. Our okay. local chapter is called Care Adamant, and you can find us on Facebook, too. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much. And Ellen, you're involved in so many things and so many different time periods. We might have to have you on again, possibly with with cheese. Excellent. We like cheese. Um, and if you, if Stacy, if you'd like to come back and bring us some of those delicious treats, yeah, I mean, potato and apple cake, potato and apple cake, yeah, or we're box teas and awesome, um, like soul cakes. One of the drinks was I'm making. I don't know, there's mulled wine, I've got beer. We do like a mulled wine. I've got other, oh, I'm making pumpkin juice because yes. Harry Potter. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> we've, had, we've had some Harry Potter enthusiasts on the podcast before. Yeah. We've got more now, so. Yeah, you just yeah. Too, so. I mean, we just assume everyone is. Exactly. <laughs> really. But it, the important thing is to know what your house is. I'm a Gryffindor. Okay. Yes. We still like you. I'm a Slither Puff. She has a slither puff. I'm a slither puff as well. Oh, thank God. <laughs> really in the house. I understand. I understand. Are you also a Stark? I don't know. I feel like I'm... Before she went crazy, I thought that I was Targaryen, but... Yeah. Then she went crazy, so... I don't know they all that. do. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. I'm the guy Maybe. who makes the bread. I mean, I'm pretty... Mm, hot pie. Yeah, I'm hot mm-hmm. pie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has you have no idea. Store. Does I, he? Yes, yeah, he does. He's a bakery. Yeah. That's my life. I didn't watch Game of Thrones. This yeah. is really embarrassing. No, I'm I'm a Stark. <laughs> through and through. Yeah. It's a hard life. Awesome. <laughs> I'll I'll stick with whatever you are since we're both slither pups. <laughs> um so listeners, thanks for joining us. Feel free to reach out to any of us if you have questions. Like I said, we link everything in the episode show notes. Um and let us know if you want to your house and we'd love to hear it. Thanks for listening to the Della Darling podcast. If you want to follow us on social media, we are at Della Darling Pod on Instagram and Twitter and the Della Darling on Facebook.